God, the zeros just stay on the screen for what feels like 30 extra seconds. What is up, YouTube? Welcome in to another edition of Midday with Trey and BK right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. We are live, taking you all the way until 1 o'clock. We've got a lot to get into today. Trey, what's going on, my man? Oh, it is a good day, BK, as I just now realized that I have not sent the promotional tweet out. However, I did send the kids back to school this morning. Therefore, I have a newfound freedom that has been lacking for chunks of the summer. But inevitably, we get back to the fall. Not quite the fall just yet, but school starts in mid-August here in Central Texas. And my kids are now hopefully learning something as I got to spend the morning playing some sand volleyball and then getting stood up by David Keckner for a second straight day in hopes of getting an interview with the Anchorman legend. And now I'm doing a show with you, not having to worry about screaming kids in the background. Yeah, your summer officially started today. Yes, sir. Congrats to you. And what's going on? You're telling me Champ Kind is no showing? What's the deal with that? You whammied me. Yeah, two straight days. He's going to be, I'll still promote it. He's going to be at Cap City Comedy Club this weekend. Show on Thursday, two shows on Friday, two shows on Saturday. Andy's doing office trivia with Todd Packer on Saturday afternoon. Cap City Comedy Club. I'm sure a lot of people who are watching or listening right now are familiar with the old location. It was a spot that comedians love to come to, even though it was in a weird part of town, kind of a Bermuda Triangle in uh, North Austin, just below. 183 the new cap city in the domain is not only still bringing in top-notch talent but it is a super super nice club to highly recommend if you haven't been out there yet to check it out obviously there's a bunch of great food options nearby to grab dinner beforehand and i'm actually going to be at one of the shows on saturday so even though david keckner has stood me up two straight days i'm still looking forward to seeing what what he uh what he has on stage this weekend well, you just gave the middle finger to David Keckner. If he had any hopes of selling out Cap City this weekend, you telling everybody that you were going to be there just eliminated all of those. Well, for being perfectly honest about it, BK, Joe Rogan's comedy mothership and the five other clubs in downtown Austin probably sunk his hopes of selling out his shows all weekend. Yeah, that's true. I'm excited. I didn't realize uh, Cap City had moved. I know they shut down for a while during COVID. I didn't realize they had opened up a new spot. That's great news. Yeah, I've seen Jeff Ross there and a couple of other people so far, and all the shows have been really good. And like I said, like it's the Helium Comedy Club people who uh, came into Austin to revive Cap City, and they're based out of Philadelphia and have clubs all over the country. It is a top-notch operation, and you can tell from just the general setup. There is the first-floor seating. Uh, the acoustics are really good in this room, and they even have a, a little balcony area where, uh, where people can buy. I don't know if those are VIP seats or not, but uh, you can sit a little bit higher, look down on the stage. And David Tell is somebody else that I got to see at Cap City. That was about a year ago. First time in my life I was ever roasted by a comedian on stage. It was David Tell, which I wear like a badge of honor right here. What do you say? So I've got the, the faux hawk going still, and this is just <laughs> after I cut the faux hawk as a uh, lost bet. Uh, on my previous radio show, and uh, he called me a battle bot. So <laughs> it was real quick, though. And he, he's David Tell is so fast that he said it really quickly, and he waited just a beat for an audience reaction. And he realized nobody saw me, and nobody was like saw who he was talking about. So he moved right on. 
what I saw, and I just gave him a little nod and uh, a wave as an appreciation. That is fantastic. That is fantastic. We're live on YouTube, and we are also live on the brand new Texas Sports Unfiltered app. Tweeted out about the launch last night. If you haven't downloaded it yet, you can download it for free in the App Store and Google Play. Just search Texas Sports Unfiltered. It'll pop right up. Super easy to download. Super easy to use. So easy, even a Bucky can do it. So you can watch the show every day, but also you can take us on the go. So if you're in the car, you don't have to have your screen on the entire time. You can listen to us right there on the TSU app. Hell of a catchphrase there. Even a Bucky can do it. I mean, that is right up there with where's the beef in terms of just the earworm nature of even a Bucky can do it. Are we sure Bucky can do it, though? I feel like we need to challenge Bucky on y'all's morning show tomorrow morning to see <laughs> Bucky is able to, to find, download, and hit play on this app. Uh, we can't have the slogan ruined like less than 48 hours after we launch it, right? What a disaster that would be if we tell everyone that Bucky can even do it and then Bucky actually can't do it. That would suck. I did post a video. Hopefully, if Bucky watches the video, he'll be able to figure out just how simple it is to download and use the app. But with him, I mean, considering it took that dude like six months to log back into his Twitter account, and considering that multiple people had to go to his house to set up his quote-unquote studio to start recording last week, uh, yeah, he he. if anyone can't do it, it is, in fact, Bucky Godbolt. I've I got guess. faith he can do it because, like you said, it's that easy. It, it really is. is. Just search yeah. Texas Sports Unfiltered in your app store, whether mm-hmm. we're talking about an iPhone or an Android – and it'll pop right up. It's literally the first thing. I don't know how we lucked out like that, but considering how many Texas shows there are, apps there are, and sports apps there are, the fact that we got Texas Sports Unfiltered listed first is a stroke of good luck. Yes, indeed. And we're super excited about that. And we're super excited about some more announcements that are coming to the channel in the not too distant future. Make sure you're following all of us on social media and also make sure you're subscribed to this channel. So you don't miss out I was on a couple of phone calls in between Bucky and BK and Trey and BK and got some very, very exciting news about the future of Texas sports unfiltered. So that's dropping tomorrow in. morning too, correct? Dropping tomorrow morning. Yep. Right. Dropping tomorrow morning during Bucky and BK. I'll tweet out the official time of the big announcement, but uh, we think this is something that everybody is going to be really, really excited about. I, I can barely hold back a smile just talking about it. I am uh, very happy for a lot of different reasons for the channel in part, but uh, selfishly for the, uh, for the people who may be directly involved going forward. Well said, well said. Speaking of people who may be directly involved going forward, uh, Arch Manning may be directly involved with the Texas football program going forward. Now I think most Longhorn fans hope we don't see a ton of Arch this year, right? This is Quinn Ewers' team in 2023, But beyond this year, well, the jury is still out. I think if everything goes well, Quinn Ewers is off to the NFL next April, and then Texas might have itself a quarterback competition between Malik Murphy and Arch Manning. We talked about it a little bit earlier this week, Trey. Texas had its first fall scrimmage this past weekend, and maybe the biggest storyline from that scrimmage was a play that Arch Manning made on Saturday a 50-plus-yard touchdown run 
And Steve Sarkeesian met with the local media on Monday. Somebody asked him about that play, and here's Sark talking a little bit more about that play and Arch Manning's footwork as a whole. No, Arch Arch made a couple plays with his legs. You know, had a had a third down scramble early in the scrimmage uh, to an extended drive uh, on a third long, and then had a, on another third long had a long touchdown run right down the middle. Um, where like we're talking the defense, we we want to play more man coverage. Um, we want to affect the quarterback, right? Um, but when you do that and the defenders all have their backs turned guarding their guarding their man and you get out of your rush lanes, an athletic guy like Arch can can go split it. And he showed, a, I think he hit 20, 20 miles an hour, which was pretty impressive. He didn't even know he could go 20 miles an hour. So uh, it was a nice play by him. Uh, I didn't know Arch Manning could get anywhere close to 20 miles an hour. How about that? Arch Manning hitting 20 MPH. I like the sound of that. I have to give our friends at Inside Texas credit for reporting on this going back to Arch Manning's recruitment last year. They have been talking about how he's not the most athletic guy in the world, but watch out. He has exceptional straight line speed. I think of it a lot like, although they're not completely uh, similar players, a, a lot like Trevor Lawrence. Remember how Trevor Lawrence used to rip off the occasional big run during his Clemson days, I think Arch Manning has that sort of ability. I guess it actually isn't a terrible comparison because he obviously has the uh, physical capabilities in terms of uh, throwing the football too. Yeah, I like that comparison. I mean, if Arch Manning is anything close to Trevor Lawrence during his college career, then okay, Texas is in a very, very good spot. You think of Trevor Lawrence's resume that he was able to put together during his three years as a starter at Clemson. Uh, If Texas gets half of that out of Arch Manning, I think we'd all be pretty happy. Trevor Lawrence with less embarrassing hair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, without the sunshine look from Remember the Titans. I don't have to worry about that with uh, Arch Manning. But, man, when I first heard rumors about this long touchdown run that Arch had in the scrimmage, I'm like, oh, God, is our defense that slow? Like, how the hell does someone with the last name Manning run for 50-plus yards, and I think of how slow Peyton was, and I think of how slow Eli was, and I get it, it's Cooper's kid, but still, I was like, okay, um, our defense just that out of position, or is our defense just that slow to where something like that could happen? Then I hear Sark talking about Arch maybe hitting 20 on the gun, and I'm like, no, like Sark might actually be able to run away from some people, and that is really, really exciting. Like There were reports that he ran a 4-6-40 in high school, And I took that with a little bit of grain of salt. I figured he probably ran that on his high school campus. Maybe the guy timing him didn't start the clock right on time. So it made Arch look a little bit better. But man, combining that rumor with what Sark said on Monday, we might have a little bit of a dual threat quarterback on our hands. Like that's, that's like Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson type speed right there from Arch Manning. I mean, not quite that fast, but there aren't a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL right now who are hitting 20 miles an hour like that. Yeah, more more Jalen Hurts than Lamar Jackson, who has that extra gear, at least I would guess. I've never seen the official numbers. But, yeah, you know, it's so funny, the catch-22s that exist this time of year, BK, where we're receiving these second- or third-hand practice reports from the insider sites, and mm-hmm. you hear that one side of the ball did really well, or the offensive line looked great, or the defensive line looked great which you're happy about because you want to hear about individuals and groups standing out, but then it makes you wonder if the group of guys that they were going up against just sucks that bad too. 
Absolutely. Sorry, I've been looking down. I just tweeted out the promotional show tweet, which is always good to send out 13 minutes after your show starts, right? That's good timing there. I did, I did it eight minutes in. So we're, uh, we are partners in our delayed tweets today. Oh, you sent one out too? Yeah. No. I don't think, I don't think that I uh, tagged you though, because I was doing it on the fly. So there we have it. Yeah, that goes uh, that goes both ways. Well, that's exciting, man. I mean, once again, I don't want Arch Manning to play much at all this season, but knowing that he's got that tool in his tool belt, right? He's not just a guy with a great arm, and that was the biggest reason why he's one of the highest graded recruits in the history of recruits. But the fact that, yeah, he might be able to make some things happen with his legs, and I like that Trevor Lawrence comparison, you know. It's the white stereotype, the sneaky speed, the sneaky athleticism. I never would have guessed anything close like that for Arch Manning. And maybe Sark is blowing smoke a little bit. Maybe it wasn't quite 20. Maybe he's rounding up a mile an hour or so. But even then, I mean, the fact that uh, he's in that conversation is uh, pretty impressive. And once again, that adds an element to Arch Manning's game that I didn't really realize existed. If Steve Sarkeesian is exaggerating the speed, I hope he goes the other direction with that, where they're asking him about Arch ripping off a really long touchdown run and he can be like, yeah, he did rip off a long run, which surprised us all because only he only hit a top speed of 15, even if he actually hit something in the 19 to 20 range. Then I'd be like, what was he going up against the school for the deaf and blind? I mean, how was he able to run it in from 50 plus yards away? If uh, he's only hitting 15 miles an hour, my God. I'm I'm pretty sure that uh, not having your sense of hearing or sight doesn't impact your ability to run fast, does it? Well, not being able to see Arch Manning might make it <laughs> tough to tackle Arch Manning. That was sort I of see. my thought there. I, see. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think the speed would be fine. They just maybe are running in the wrong direction trying to chase after Arch Manning. So the uh, so, so the deaf half of that equation would have been in pursuit, but it's the uh, the sight impaired that would have had a problem. Yeah, I guess that would have been a little tougher. Or if Bucky was just somewhere on the field, then that would have made Arch Manning look ridiculously fast too. Jeez, firing strays at our guy Blind Sean this early in a show. Well, I'd apologize to him. Sorry about that, Sean. It's nothing personal. You'd apologize uh, to him, but he can't see you, so you're not going to worry about him finding you. Is that what you were about to say? Yeah, I mean, YouTube, maybe not the best medium for Blind Sean. That's why we have an app. True. Way, to, way to bring it full circle back <laughs> to the app. Well done. Uh, a man of the people, always. Oh, man. All right. Um, any other Texas football news notes and nuggets any other takeaways from that scrimmage that uh, you want to get into before we talk about what florida woman has gotten herself into today less scrimmage related and more just uh practice since that scrimmage on saturday this comes from inside texas and while everybody is going to focus on arch manning Quinn Ewers continues to look the part and then some he is the most prepared in terms of understanding what the plays are uh, again, according to Inside Texas, uh, much further along this time last year and uh, well-versed when it comes to checks at the line of scrimmage as well as going through his pre-snap reads. And the proof is also in the pudding in terms of him finding his receivers consistently. Had a uh, had a nice throw and catch to Jordan Winnington on some RPOs, I think, in yesterday's practice. Also has a really good rapport with A.D. Mitchell, too, which you love to hear about. And then on the defensive side of the ball, BK, 
Uh, both um, Jade Barron and Jalen Catalan are on pitch counts right now. Barron dealing with a little bit, I want to say it was a hamstring or some sort of lower body issue earlier in camp. They want to make sure he's 100% for the start of the season. Jalen Catalan, you obviously know exactly what he is. Supremely talented, but also a little bit injury prone because he plays so hard and he tackles so hard. And even though he's on a pitch count, uh, it's pretty universally agreed upon that he is the dude that you least want to meet in a hole if you were a running back because of how hard he comes downhill and then makes you pay a price too. Yeah, keep him on that pitch count, right? Even if he's not hurt right now, just limit his reps to make sure that you get as much out of Jalen Catalan during the season as you can possibly get because it sucks, but I almost expect him to get hurt at some point this year. That's just what his college career has been to this point. Obviously, hopefully that's different. I think of Jordan Whittington, like maybe he can be Jordan Whittington, right? The first few years of Jay Witt's career at Texas, he got hurt every season and it's just like, all right, well, it's going to happen at some point. Well, he stayed healthy throughout the entirety of the 2022 campaign. So hopefully Jalen Catalan can be the Jay Witt of this year. Hopefully Jay Witt stays healthy again this year, of course, but hopefully Jalen Catalan can be that guy who had the first few years of his career were mired by injury, but he's able to put it together and actually stay healthy and be a big part of the team over the course of the 12 game regular season. And then, yeah, with yours, great news, man. They, uh, Texas football tweeted out a little highlight of viewers finding AD Mitchell in the back of the end zone. And my God, I mean, I was already excited about Quinn Ewers and everything I've heard about him throughout fall camp. That was a perfectly thrown ball, beautifully placed. I mean, it almost looked like he was like just guiding it through the defense and somehow, some way, it finds A.D. Mitchell in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. That was that was pretty exciting right there. Well, here I go, Trey, the asshole Longhorn analyst here, because Uh-oh. that was a bit of a duck. That wasn't a spiral that he threw. I mean, I'm, I love that it found its target and that A.D. Mitchell was able to catch the ball. That was he, that ball was not spiraled in there, though. It had a flutter to it. Eh, well, you know, he had the drone remote going as he was steering it through the defense. And sometimes it's not always going to be perfect when you've got that pinpoint accuracy. But, hey, it was a pitch and it was a catch. That's what we're looking for. Thank you to everybody who is participating on the YouTube comments line today. By the way, we are working to try and access a general text line. Stay tuned. Uh, There should be something sooner rather than later. But Shannon, talking about the app, the app is live. That's so awesome. (laughs) Is that supposed to be an exclamation point, Shannon? Maybe, but I will uh, address that as if it were a question. Yeah, that is pretty freaking awesome. The fact that we are a week and a half into this venture that we all feel great about the potential for the present and the future. Yes, it is awesome that the app is already up and running, Shannon. Thank you for the question. Yeah, very good question right there, Shannon. Really do appreciate that. And then how about this one? This is a random comment, but everybody knows how big of a Taco Bell guy you are. God is love is asking if they have Taco Bell in Mexico. I thought it was love is love. Is it not love is love? It's God is love now? Oh, maybe so. I don't know. Do they have Taco Bell in Mexico? I think they do. They do. At least in Cabo, they do. I don't know if they have it in Cancun, but my wife and I were in Cabo at the start of this year for our 10-year wedding anniversary, and we saw Taco Bell there. And we said to ourselves, who in their right mind would go to Taco Bell when you have access to all this delicious, authentic, and similarly cheap Mexican food 
in the Cabo San Jose, Cabo San Lucas area? That'd be me. <laughs> My hand is raised. That would be me. And of course they have it in all of the white people areas of Mexico. The question is, do they have it in the local neighborhoods of Mexico? Oh, God is love is my cousin JP. I'm I'm just now finding out. Thank you for uh, weighing in, JP. <laughs> I love that. Wow, it's a family affair right here on Midday with Trey and BK. Before we shift gears and talk about Florida woman, because, oh man, she is at it in a big, big way, trying to one-up Florida man with this story. Uh, Trey, football season right around the corner. It's about to be the best time of the sports year. If you need your TV set up, you've got to call AV Consultations. Yeah, BK, uh, I know that you spend way too much time watching sports, which is good for this venture and bad for your overall culture. Are you watching any TV shows right now, out of curiosity? No. Okay, I figured that's what the answer was. Well, my wife and I just got done watching season one of The Bear. It is an excellent new Hulu show. Actually, they just got through their second season And that show is intense, and it's even more intense when you're watching on the dream home theater setup that we have in our downstairs living room. We have surround sound to boot, and all of that is the result of giving audiovisual consultations a call at 512-255-8678. Sure enough, over the years, we've had them over to our house multiple times to uh, to handle various things. That includes the upstairs loft area that has now become a video game nook that my kids and I uh, take part in pretty much every day. And we also know the quality of work because we've been in other homes that audiovisual consultations has taken care of that setup, as well as businesses like pluckers over the years. Tom McKay has been at it for 35 years and counting now. They know how to get the job done right and well the very first time, and they'd love to help you out. Go to avconsultations.com to see all the different types of things that they can do for you in your home or place of business. Once you decide on that service, you're going to give them a call, 512-255-8678 for audiovisual consultations. Absolutely. And a quick shout out to our friends over at the Altstadt Brewery. Altstadt beer is the best beer that you can find wherever you are in the state of Texas. They've got it all over Austin. They've got it all over Houston. They've got it all over the Metroplex. Wherever you are, you can find six packs of Altstadt beer. Whatever you have going on this summer. And of course, you need a great beer to accompany all of your football watching. Once we get to the fall, make Altstadt beer your choice every single time it's my choice of beer it should be yours as well they've got different brews for every beer drinker out there i'm telling y'all one sip and you won't go back to the other beers that you have been drinking in the past it is the official beer of texas sports unfiltered it should be the official beer of you as well it's old stat beer no impurities no regrets with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, Trey, Florida woman is back. to give Florida man a run for his money. Yeah, this is uh, this is an interesting one. So I'm just going to read the headline first, and then we'll get into some of the nitty-gritty details of this story. But this is one of those instances where the headline really does tell you everything you need to know. Florida woman doused herself in Diet Mountain Dew 
to erase DNA after killing roommate. Ouch. There is your headline. Here are some more details. A blood-smudged Florida woman suspected of murder accrued additional charges after she asked police for a soda and then poured it all over herself Mm. in an attempt to scrub forensic evidence from her body. Nicole Max, 35, was charged with tampering with evidence and resisting arrest with violence and premeditated first-degree murder in the death of, this is interesting, 79-year-old Michael Sarasoli back on August 5th. Damn. Before we go further, how does that work? A 35-year-old rooming with a 79-year-old? Probably more than just rooming going on between those two, right? Desperate times call for desperate measures. I don't know. Maybe there was a relationship there, like a sexual relationship. Maybe he was her pimp. She was the hoe. Maybe a little uh, Leonardo DiCaprio situation or a little Al Pacino or Robert De Niro situation, right? Aren't those guys in their late 70s, early 80s? Not DiCaprio, but he dates the young ones. But Pacino and De Niro, they're old as hell, and they're having kids with young women. So maybe it was something like this going on with this guy. Yeah, Mick Jagger's also on that list. I feel like he knocked up like a 29-year-old ballerina in the last few years. Good for Mick. Good for those guys. Uh, they're going to be around as fathers for a long, long time. That's that's good for the kids. It is a little bit creepy, but I give a tip of the cap to those guys for either duping or being rich enough that somebody who is less than half your age would consider allowing your old balls to accost them like so. <laughs> I tip the cap to the women for uh, being financially set for life by getting impregnated by a worldwide superstar like that. I hope all that saggy skin was worth it, ladies. Oh, my God. Absolutely. All right, more details. Firefighters were called to a smoldering home on Clark Street back on July 1st. Clothes on the second floor had been set on fire. And after quickly extinguishing the flames, first responders found Sarah Soli lying face down in a blood-spattered room. He had suffered blunt force trauma to the head and stab wounds to the torso. And the dead man's landlord told police that Max was the other tenant. The woman at that point was nowhere to be found. They were able to find her a couple of hours later with blood on her leg and a rip shirt outside of a Crystal Burger restaurant in the neighborhood. As if this story couldn't get more Florida, we get more Florida there. When they approached, police said she dropped a knife and a hammer at their feet. So she didn't even, like, she ran away, but she, for some reason, kept the weapons with her. It's one of the dumbest criminals of all time. And then she eventually uh, conceded, but before that, she poured Mountain Dew on her body in an effort to try to remove DNA evidence from the situation couple of things here bk first off a word of advice to this woman what did you say her name was crystal burger no No. the woman's name is nicole max they found her outside of a crystal with the k burger i repeat crystal Mm. the next time that you commit murder you may want to consider getting rid of the murder weapons long before you end up in public not condoning what she did, just if you're going to do that, you have to be a little bit smarter about it. 
And I also wonder, BK, and perhaps it's just a matter of circumstance, and that was the liquid that she had with her, this Diet Mountain Dew. Talk about an oxymoron there. But uh, I'm wondering if Crystal, Nicole, whatever the hell her name actually is, if she, uh, her science fair project when she was a kid was to uh, to pour a, like a Coca-Cola or a Mountain Dew over a battery to see how quickly the Coca-Cola or Mountain Dew causes the battery to corrode. Ah, the classics. The only, yeah, it's the only explanation I have here for her thinking that the Diet Mountain Dew would be good enough to wash the blood away from her person. Yeah, when police were questioning her, she asked for a Diet Mountain Dew. The police came through. She was drinking it for a little bit, and then she became agitated with their questioning and poured it on her body to try to remove the evidence. Yep, that's really amazing. Oh, and I might have a picture here. Yes, please show this picture if you're looking at the New York Post article that I am because it all makes a whole lot more sense when you see this picture. I mean, this if there was a dictionary picture for Florida woman, I think this is what it would look like. Oh, boy. Yep. Yeah, that's not good. Little, little zoom for you. How about that? How about that neck tat right there? A full-on throat tattoo. Mm. And you you can think see she is Sean Stevenson? <laughs> you can see she's uh, tatted up on her shoulders and upper chest as well. Yeah, now this is the most Florida woman I've ever seen in my entire life, dude. This is the sort of woman that would have no problem stabbing you, bludgeoning you with a hammer, and then setting you on fire. I, mean, I know we're not supposed to judge books by their cover, but I'm doing it here. Would you? So here's the funny thing. I mean, obviously, no, I'm married. But <laughs> that's why. If you take away <laughs> if you take away the neck tattoo, even allow her to keep the uh, the shoulder sleeves. Not terrible looking. <laughs> but clearly has mental issues. First, if she's living with a 79-year-old man. And then secondly, the heinous acts that she committed earlier this month. Yep. She is one of the dumbest criminals that I've ever read about. But yeah, after about three beers, I think I'm in. That's oh, all it would on. take. Come on. Even with the neck tattoo? Mm, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, very intrigued. Oh, I'm just going to advise you to uh, wrap up, my friend, because otherwise you're probably going to catch something that does not rub off. That's a uh, double wrap right there. And that's uh, when you're done, you pour Tabasco in the wrapping to make sure that she isn't doing anything weird. Maybe you should consider Diet Mountain Dew going forward. <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe so. My God, what a story there. You're getting some love for old balls accosted. Great band name. <laughs> I didn't think about that one, but that's well thank, done, Hair of the thank Dog. Thank you, Hair of the Dog. Very well done. All right, back to uh, some sports conversation here. Uh, Trey, I think you have the details of this one, but look, realignment has obviously been a huge deal. My voice just fades away randomly in the middle of me talking. There we go. I think we're back. No, I, it's it's all over the place right now. So I Uh-oh. think I will take the lead on this one. Yeah, go ahead. So uh, we all know that college football re- realignment has been one of the big stories of the football offseason, not just with college football, with the NFL too. I feel like for the first time in forever, college football has really taken the lead in terms of driving sports radio in the offseason. 
And even though we are probably done with the college football realignment news right now, at least until the start of this upcoming season, some believe that the realignment craziness could actually become significantly worse next offseason. And I am referring specifically to Nebraska Cornhuskers great Trev Alberts, who, as many know, is now the athletics director at the school. He issued a big warning to college football fans and the college football world at large. He spoke with the Lincoln Journal Star uh, newspaper, and obviously where uh, the University of Nebraska is located, in a two-hour interview. And the Journal Star published an article Sunday based on his comments. Alberts spoke about the big topic in college sports, realignment. He said that conferences are not willing to expand. Conferences that are not willing to expand, excuse me, are asking for problems. He also warned that next year's realignment could be more disruptive than this year's round was. Quote, I don't believe it's done. It's never been done. It's more likely than not that there will be continued periods of angst. I believe that the next go around, that's my basic conclusion, will be far more disruptive than anything we're currently engaged in. We need to prepare ourselves mentally for that. Mm -hmm. So, BK, this offseason has been pretty crazy. Obviously, when the news was announced a couple years ago, a couple summers ago, that Texas and Oklahoma were leaving the Big 12 for the SEC was enormous. The news that USC and UCLA going to the Big 10, which was announced last summer, that was huge. The fact that the Pac-12 is essentially no more after this athletics calendar year, also a massive piece of news. What could top any of those things in terms of something else happening next summer? Well, we could get closer and closer to two super conferences instead of just four, right? I mean, the ACC could potentially break up. Obviously, a higher up at Florida State came out a couple of weeks ago and basically said it's not a matter of if, but a matter of when FSU leaves for another conference. You're thinking about maybe Clemson leaving for another conference. Like the ACC is one to watch right there for sure. And I don't know if the Big 12 is completely stable like people think it is. I mean, obviously, they've done a great job reacting to Texas and Oklahoma announcing their departures to the SEC. And the four schools that are coming in this year and obviously the four schools that are coming in next year will definitely help keep the Big 12 as one of the better conferences in college sports. But, man, if the Big 10 or the SEC comes calling for any Big 12 school, don't you think they'll leave at the drop of a hat? Like Kansas is the team that I think of because when the Big 10 started adding a couple of years ago, there were reports that maybe Kansas wants in. I think Kansas definitely wanted in. The question was, did the Big Ten want Kansas? And they felt like, no, Kansas wasn't a great ad. Well, what happens if Kansas starts to put it together in football? Like, what if last year wasn't a fluke? And maybe the Big Ten reaches out to Kansas, because more so than football, they want basketball, but they feel like they realize they're not a total liability on the football field anymore. So there are ways that, yeah, the SEC and the Big Ten, I know they're they're saying right now that they're done adding, but if, uh, if there's a chance for them to add some of the bigger brands that are still out there, they're going to do it. And this is not just a one-off season bid for realignment. We will get some more craziness after the 2023 season. Boy, the Kansas example is a fascinating one because on the one hand, I think they are in a better conference for what their potential is as a football program. But you also consider that the Big 12 
I don't know. You tell me because you're a bigger college basketball fan than I am in modern times. Is the Big 12 a better basketball conference than the Big 10 without Texas and Oklahoma as part of things, but with the addition of the schools that have been added over the last year? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Big 12 has been the best conference in college hoops, and that will continue. I mean, Houston has been better than Texas or Oklahoma basketball-wise in recent years. Just just their addition. And then you talk about Arizona with their history, but also it feels like – They've got things figured out with their new coach, too. They've been a one seed or a two seed the last couple of years. So, yeah, now the Big 12 is still going to be the premier conference in college hoops. So I think that just based on those two things, that it makes much more sense for Kansas to stay in the Big 12 right now. But you never know. I mean, you and I talked about this last week. Like, at what point does the Big 10 – either stop adding schools or continue adding schools and realize that they need to cut from the bottom. The Athletic wrote a really interesting piece last week, I believe, that talked about just how big of a disastrous addition Rutgers has been to that conference. And so Rutgers is probably the first school that gets chopped if the Big Ten does decide to downsize. But do they consider going a step further there and getting rid of Maryland, the other newest member uh, of that conference before the most recent uh, realignment shuffling. I think it's possible. And would a school like Nebraska consider going back to the Big 12 if these sorts of things were occurring? And they started worrying about their own future within this conference to find that next home. I'm with you that I think that the ACC, I don't know if it completely goes away as a power five, but they are in a bad spot right now. Even though Florida State, has punted on the idea of not being a part of that conference in 2024. That decision needed to be made, I believe, yesterday, either today or yesterday. I think it was yesterday, and they decided not to have a Board of Regents meeting to vote on it. So Florida State will likely still be a member of the ACC next year. What about after that? What about when we get to the 2026 season, when um, college football is allowed to rework the agreement in place for that expanded college football playoff, and you don't have those guaranteed six spots, which initially was going to go to the uh, five power five schools and the highest ranked uh, group of five conference champion. I think there's some validity to what Greg Sankey and others are saying about how that doesn't make sense anymore, especially since the Pac-12 has gone away. That's going to make even less sense that the ACC becomes a shell of itself uh, after the next couple of years, too, of Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, Miami, whoever decides to lead that conference, the uh, the biggest dogs in that conference, even if they aren't necessarily winning conference championships each and every year. So uh, this is a storyline that is not going away, and maybe it does become a little bit crazier, but I feel like the biggest moves have been made to where – anything that happens after this is a little bit more expected at this point. And that's why it won't be as insane, chaotic or surprising. Yeah. You keep talking about sense, which you're right, but you're spelling it wrong. It's not S E N S E it's C E N T S. Like that's, that's all that matters. Nobody cares about what makes sense regionally, geographically, whatever. All that matters is what makes money. And that's going to ultimately determine what happens with conference realignment. I mean, that's determined what's happened this offseason, right? Like, it makes no sense for USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington to be in the Big Ten. Like, that's ridiculous thinking about the logistics that go in. Forget just football, right? Obviously, football is the big moneymaker, but the sports that don't just play once a week for a few months out of the year, the sports that 
have multiple games a week. I mean, all of that travel, it doesn't make any sort of sense whatsoever. So that's it's all about the dollar, man, for the schools, for the conferences, for the TV partners. Like, that is all that matters here. So that is going to continue to dictate how this thing shakes out. Look, people can be critical of Texas and Oklahoma starting all of this by moving to the SEC, but that made sense in both ways to think of it. It made sense in terms of the dollars and cents of things for Texas and Oklahoma and also the SEC, but it also made sense regionally too. I really did abhor hearing that UCLA and USC were jumping to the Big Ten because it makes zero sense regionally even if it does make sense in terms of the money on the line but the sad thing for the big 10 and their new tv deals i don't believe that that tv deal gives those schools any additional money as a result of usc and ucla being added to the conference and i think oregon and washington may even be getting less for the first couple of years that they are a part of the big 10 now too now it's still more than what they would have been uh been making uh to stay members of the pac-12 but uh i just it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth to see those four schools having to travel more than half the country to get to a majority of the conference games that they're going to play. Football is one thing. I know Rick Pitino said a couple weeks ago that it makes sense in terms of the logistics uh, to uh, allow football to kind of be all across the country and you know where you are doesn't necessarily matter for your conference. I would like to see them rein something in, and maybe this is where the NCAA can actually – uh, show some worth once again and uh, and say, look, guys, we understand college football is a different beast that we're separating this. We're thinking about this differently from all these other sports. But for the sake of some of these secondary sports, uh, it makes more sense in terms of travel to have things clustered uh, in more obvious ways regionally. And you can have the bigger conferences where the more, more money is on the line and these schools are worth more and they can actually afford the additional travel expenses. But a lot of these Schools on the West Coast, they need to be doing a majority of uh, or they need to be playing a majority of their seasons in that area just because it's much less of a time and money suck for them. And unfortunately, if you don't see that happen, you're going to see programs starting to fold because they just can't afford it anymore. And the school doesn't necessarily want to foot that bill anymore either. Well, if they keep bringing in a ton of money from football, they'll be able to afford the travel bill for all the yeah, other sports. The, the, the biggest dogs will. Huh. I think there are a lot of secondary schools, and this includes some schools that are that are uh, in these power conferences as well, which is why I wonder if relegation doesn't eventually become a, t- a thing too, where it will start to become a little bit more problematic because not only are these schools relying on uh, on these TV deals to help line their coffers, Let's remember, the NCAA is trying to push to where these NIL collectives become official part of the schools that they're helping out going forward. Mm-hmm. I talked to guys at Big 12 Media Day, guys from Kansas, the Kansas football team, one of their uh, stud linebackers who was in Arlington to represent the Jayhawks for Big 12 Media Days. And I was asking every player that I spoke with, what deals do you got going on right now? Like, what? how, how are you getting helped out financially? And there, were, there was more than one dude from a smaller school in the Big 12, which has decent money, theoretically. I was like, I'm not really getting anything right now. Hmm. And that speaks to uh, not only um, maybe them not having as much value in Lawrence, Kansas, that you would in Austin, Texas, if you're the, uh, the starting linebacker there, but also because they don't have their shit together nearly as much in terms of that collective uh, 
presence. So I don't know. I, I don't have any uh, good solutions here other than to say buckle up and, and get ready for a ride because it, it is going to get we're, we're going to continue to see schools go from one conference to another. And we may see schools drop from a higher division to a lower division, like what is about to happen with Oregon State, Washington State, Cal and Stanford. And by the way, thank God if you're an ACC fan, <laughs> uh, you didn't add Cal or Stanford or SMU because that did reek of desperation, as we talked about last week, BK. And it's not going to happen because four schools in the ACC kept it from happening. If any one of these four schools had said yes to this, Cal and Stanford would have been added. But North Carolina, NC State, Florida State, and Clemson, not even Miami, which was surprising, all voted against that. So it's not happening at least for next season. Yeah, because when I think Atlantic Coast, I think Cal and I think Stanford. When I think Atlantic Coast, I think Pacific Coast. (laughs) You know how it works. Oh, man. Yep. Who knows what's going to happen next? I do know that relying on the NCAA to step in and do something is not going to work because it never works. But obviously a fascinating story. Yeah, but the NCAA is trying to wield its authority again, despite the fact that nobody respects it. I mean, they're denying guys moving closer to home to to be nearer to sick relatives and have immediate eligibility because they're putting their foot down now after allowing a free-for-all for the past couple of years. They're going to reestablish their authority. And then also, and I don't know if this is fully on the NCAA here, but Jim Harbaugh and his suspension for recruiting violations is still very much up in the air. It was initially going to be a four-game suspension that everybody had agreed upon, but uh, for some reason that deal has been nixed. I have not read the details of that just yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is the NCAA uh, once again trying to show that it actually does have authority as it pertains to college football. They're talking about that suspension not happening until 2024. Oh, is that right? Yep. And then that gives Jim Harbaugh a year to take a job in the NFL so he never has to get suspended by the NCAA. (laughs) That's what's happening there. And, and, you know, the NCAA, they protect the big schools. They punish the small schools. They protect the big schools. And, yeah, they're wielding their authority on a couple of random kids in certain instances, but they don't have the authority to – control the entire sport and really just all of college sports when it comes to realignment their their power in that front is gone no doubt about that all right dave at atx 512 asks what if the big 12 and pac 10 would have merged before all this recent realignment it would be a very different landscape even if uh texas i forget who all was supposed to jump to the pac 12 when texas was on the verge of doing so but if texas was a part of the pac 12 Maybe it would be different, but it's also possible that it wouldn't be, too. Just think of how big of a dumpster fire the Pac-12 has been over the last few years. You think that the Texas Longhorns would want to remain a part of that? It's a big reason why they left the Big 12 or announced that they were leaving the Big 12 a couple years ago. So I think that uh, everything that's happening right now still would have been on the table, even if uh, the Pac-12 and Big or Pac-10 and Big 12 had merged uh, several years ago. Yeah, as long as Larry Scott and George Klyovkov were calling the shots in the Pac-12, then, uh, yeah, uh, Texas and Oklahoma probably would have departed. I think it was Texas, Texas Tech, OU, and Oklahoma State. I think those were the four teams that were talked about a little bit more than a decade ago now when we had this last major wave of conference realignment. And, yeah, who knows? Who knows how things would have shaked out if we actually got that. But that's an alternate universe that none of us get to live in. All right, before we get to where we at in society, some more shout-outs to some more sponsors. Sentexttickets.com. 
We thank them for their continued support of Texas Sports Unfiltered. If you need tickets to any college football game, doesn't matter the conference, realignment does not affect them. They've got you covered. Also, the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, every sport all year round, you can get tickets at SyntexTickets.com. They are 100% guaranteed. We'll deliver them right to your phone. It's that easy to use. Check them out, SyntexTickets.com. And a shout-out to our friends at 7-Eleven. They are your go-to convenience store to get you through these red-hot summer months all across the state of Texas. Our guy Ashish runs the Monterey Oaks location down in South Austin. Big Longhorn fan, big fan of Texas Sports Unfiltered as well. Go say what's up to him. Just go to any 7-Eleven. There's got to be one near you and get all of your snacks and drinks and everything you need to get you through the summer. And Trey, you're in your relaxed the back chair. Dude, I'm I'm squirming like a caterpillar, man. I am dying. I'm in this folding chair. It is so uncomfortable. I can't find a chair where I'm living right now that works for me, which means I got to go to a place that you've been to a number of times. That's relaxed the back. Yeah, that's right, BK. Those camping chairs that are convenient because they fold up really well and you can stuff them in a bag. Oh, you're just in a straight-up folding chair. You're not even in one of the crumple-up camping chairs. Well, I would prefer the chair that you're in to those to that chair which you were in yesterday. <laughs> those chairs are even worse. I mean, that triggers my sciatica every time. I've been dealing with sciatica, unfortunately, even though I'm only 45, for 15 years now. And it was uh, about that time or maybe even a little bit before then that I started going to relax the back. It started out as me trying to find really good massage tools to help me work some of these issues out myself. And it turned into me actually getting furniture from there from time to time. Currently, this chair that you see behind me, barely, uh, which is blending in with my dark brown uh, bookshelves behind me, it is a relax the back chair. I didn't actually go to the store for this one, but relax the back has been a longtime partner of the Mullet Open. They gave this chair away at the Mullet Open a couple years ago. My brother won it. He charged me 200 bucks for this chair, and I paid it happily, and it has been a great investment. My favorite place to sit in the entire house, and I have relaxed the back to thank for that. Absolutely. Relaxtheback.com. They're all over Texas, but they've got two Austin area locations that you can check out. All right, Trey, about 10 minutes left in today's program. We wrap up every show with a little bit of... Where are we at in society today? Oh, you're muted, Trey. (laughs) I hit mute to cough and I never unmuted myself. There you go. move by me. That's right. It is your regular look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will bring you a story that provides a sense of optimism. But today is not that day. And BK, I need you to fire up our end of show video real quick because we have an update on this story. Ready for it? Yep. it's so good every time wait for it (laughs) it is the wave i know it's coming every time but the the wave still gets me right after he's trying to mouth some words well the japanese guy who enjoys dressing up like a collie a story that you presented to the people on one of our first shows last week his name is toko And psychologists are now weighing in on this nut job. Psychologists believe that Toko, who 
does insist on dressing up like a collie, a $14,000 costume that he built for himself, by the way, might be a Therian. Any guesses on what a Therian is? T-H-E-R-I-A-N. Yeah, that's uh, one of the families in Game of Thrones, right? I think that's Targaryen. Good guess, though. A Therian, according to psychologists, is someone who identifies with a non-human animal species. Now, to be clear, this is not the same as a furry, and that is an adult who occasionally enjoys cosplay in an animal costume or a fursuit, as furries call themselves. By the way, they're almost always perverts. I'm not going to go as far as saying that they're all pedos, but it wouldn't surprise me if a large majority were pedos. Yeah. But uh, according to Dr. Elizabeth Fane, it is important to distinguish between furries who are fans of anthropomorphic animals and therians who on some level identify as a creature other than human. Therians might, for example, believe that they are a cat soul reincarnated into a human body. Some furries are therians and some therians are furries, but they are two distinct groups. <laughs> and my God, what a load of bullshit coming out of this psychologist's mouth here. What? The history of therians goes back many centuries and is often intertwined with ancient beliefs and human animal hybrids, including humans and goats, the elephant headed Indian god Ganesha, werewolves, and other legendary beings. Uh, I don't even know what to say. So, this guy is a Therian, and Therians are people who identify as non human animals. Yep. Realize there's a real scientific term for this, and that explains why he spent $15,000 of his earned money. I don't know how he earned it. I'm not sure I want to know with this guy to buy this suit and act like a dog. Oh, he was almost certainly licking peanut butter off of uh, other people's genitals. Uh. <laughs> he had to go with the genitals. Huh? You couldn't just say like fingers or toes or anything. Well, in true dog pervert fashion, I mean, how do you, how do you get $14,000 quicker than doing something like that? You're not going to sell blood and get it that quickly. No, no, you're probably right. You're not going to pour Mountain Dew all over yourself and make that type of coin either. <laughs> so is this guy a furry also? We don't know if he's a furry or not. No, because furries are the, the costumes are a little bit less realistic. This guy really does. Toko identifies as a dog. As a matter of fact, this New York Post article interviewed somebody else who identifies as a Therian. Unsurprisingly, they are from the Seattle area because Seattle and really all up and down the West Coast is is filled with crazies like this. But uh, Naya occasionally dresses in wolf ears and a tail, actually also volunteers at a wolf preserve to bond with the animals. Oh, my God. Nobody wants you there. Naya actually told this to the Daily Mail, quote, so spiritually and psychologically, I identify as a wolf, but I know I'm human. I walk on two legs. I've got a job. I've got a career. My partner is human. Well, now you're really just bailing out if you're, you've got a human partner. Yeah. You just, have, you just need to have a wolf dog as a pet, and that can also be your, uh, your other person, if you will. Yeah, I don't root for death that often, but I'm hoping uh, a wolf just takes this woman out. I'll growl sometimes, I'll bark sometimes, I'll howl sometimes. I'm pretty open, but a lot of people will hide it, and for good reason. When I was in high school, 
I was severely bullied. Now we don't condone bullying necessarily, but mm -hmm. if you were acting like an animal around your high school friends, well, all bets are off at that point, unfortunately. Yeah. If someone's howling in my face, I'm bullying them. I mean, that's ridiculous. Now kids, there's your tip for kids. If someone is howling like a wolf incessantly at school, you have BK's permission. Yes. Uncle BK's permission to bully them mercilessly. Mm. Yeah. That's BK's BK's tip for kids. Oh my God. That's, that is insane, dude. Wow. So yeah, furries, furries, I guess want, they want you to know that they're still a human, but the Daenerys Targaryens or whatever they are, they want you to fully believe that they are in fact an animal. Yeah, well, you're going to be shocked by this one, BK, but uh, apparently, according to a University of California Davis study, Therians are predominantly young white males, mm. which has me believing that we are just feeding into these insecurities by offering up labels to help them feel some sense of normalcy versus shaming them back into their human skin. Mm. Are you hypothesizing that I could be? Aetherian? Because you're wrong. Let, let me ask you this. Even though I don't think you're Aetherian, although you are a dog. Uh, if you... <laughs> if you were to have to be another animal, let's say for a week, what animal would you choose? If I were to have to be an animal for a week, what is this, a vet punishment? Uh, I mean, we're not, I'm not going to force you to dress up as a pet. Unfortunately, Lucy in disguise is now closed down. So getting costumes like this is hard to come by in Austin. I had to be a pet or an animal for a week. Which one would I be? I mean, who's at the top of the food chain? Who doesn't get eaten? A lion? Well, a lot of animals don't get eaten. You just have to be uh, smart enough than the predator or smarter than the predator. Oh, I mean, I guess, uh, I don't know. I could be like a dog in a rich person's house for a week. That feels you just pretty good. To, to sleep, eat, and lick yourself all day. Yeah, that's it. I'm probably eating super nice food too, and I'm probably getting treats all the time. And uh, I got plenty of space to roam around, so I'll go with that one. Jake's got a good idea. Honey badger. Those are ferocious beasts, as we're well aware of, thanks to Tyrone Matthew. Yeah. DJ says Richard Gears gerbil. Come on, DJ. Do you really want to be that gerbil? Yeah. The likelihood of suffocation is is pretty extreme and if you do happen to rip your way through that plastic bag do you know how awful that would be do you know how awful that would be <laughs> uh sounds like you do well you i thought about happen. this yeah you've thought about this what about you what's your animal of choice do unicorns count no is that a weird fetish you have I'd probably, for that. I'd probably go monkey. My kids and I talk about these things all the time. What our favorite animals are, that is. And my favorite animal, if unicorns don't count, it's monkey. No question. Like a chimpanzee. So you can just fling shit at people all of the time? Well, hopefully I wouldn't be around any humans. Hopefully I would be in my natural habitat in the jungle around an, uh, other chimpanzees or bonobos. And I would be high, in, high up enough in the hierarchy that no other chimps would be gunning for me. So I could just live peacefully. 
I could uh, maybe posture for some action with the female chimps from time to time and then just, you know, swing around the trees. God, you know, for this week, you don't have to have intercourse. It sounds like you actually want to hook up with a female chimp. What? What? Look about a female chimp. That's what your day is all about. What did we just unlock out of you? Just like dog BK, assuming that you haven't been neutered, or even if you have, if you happen to escape your backyard and you can smell that female in heat, you're going to go for that female in heat. You don't have to say so in the matter. No, I'm not doing that. I'm probably walking under like a, a human and looking up to see if I can get a peek or something, okay? Oh, I forgot to tell you, your, your human has a uh, fetish where it's where he spreads peanut butter all over his genitals and has his dog <laughs> and has his uh, off. What a way to end the show today! That is gross. My God, what what happened to us, man? Goodness gracious! Well, we're un- we're unfiltered now, BK. So occasionally, it's going to get pretty ugly. That's a scary thought for all of us, ourselves included. All right, great job, brother. You too. That's going to do it for a Wednesday edition of Midday with Trey and BK. If you missed any of the show, check it out in podcast form on Spotify and Apple, or you can watch the video after the fact right here on YouTube. Don't forget to download that Texas Sports Unfiltered app. And once again, big announcement coming tomorrow morning during Bucky and BK. Keep it locked in. Until next time, y'all stay safe, y'all stay healthy, and hook them.